Hello friends, welcome to our fireside chat. I remember the first time that someone I knew died. I was sitting with my sister on our front porch in South Pasadena, California, and my mom told us that our cousin Adam had drowned in a pool in their backyard. I don't remember being sad. I remember being really scared because we lived across the street from the community pool. And I thought, could this happen to me or to one of my sisters? I don't remember crying. Fast forward to two weeks ago, and one of my closest friends in Atlanta, Petra, my neighbor who I had lived next to in a cul-de-sac for 13 years, who we had raised our boys alongside each other, vacationed together, she died of metastatic breast cancer at the age of 53. And this time, all I could do was cry. Literally, that was all I could do because of COVID-19. I couldn't go and hug her husband and her boys. I couldn't sit in the cul-de-sac and tell stories and laugh and weep with my neighbors. I couldn't do what I know how to do and feel most comfortable doing because of my vocation, trying to offer hope in the midst of despair. Do you remember the first time someone you loved died? For most of us, it was a grandparent or a beloved pet. But for some of you, it went way out of order as you lost a child or a parent or a sibling. Death always seems to be out of order, doesn't it? I know this is all too familiar to all of you as well. In our own church family, we have had several deaths in the past two months, and we have not been able to grieve. They have not been able to grieve. They wanted to. And even in the past few years, our community at WHPC and in our neighborhood has had just too many deaths that were tragic. Guess, I guess death has just seemed out of order. In the 11th chapter of John's gospel, two sisters, Mary and Martha, they send a messenger to go tell Jesus that their brother, who they know Jesus loves, is very sick. Jesus wasn't close to Bethany, where they were living at the time. He had actually just left near there because there were religious leaders that wanted to stone him for healing and for preaching the way he did. It would have taken the messenger about a day to get to Jesus. Jesus gets this news about this person that he loved, but he decides he will wait two more days. And when he tells the disciples that it is time to go back to Judea, they all exclaim, why would we do that? You almost got stoned to death there. Jesus tells them, nope, the light must head into the darkness. And so they arrive four days after Lazarus has died. Martha greets him as he approaches and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Moments later, Martha brings her sister Mary back to Jesus, and, and twice the author tells us that Mary got up quickly to go meet Jesus. So I imagine she ran to him, and she says, Lord, if you had been here, falling at his feet, my brother would not have died. Have you ever had a Lord, if you had only moment? Lord, if you had only given me a sign that he was so unhappy. Lord, if you had only let her live just a little bit longer. Lord, if you had only stopped that accident from happening. I love how approachable Jesus is. His friends that he loved, Mary and Martha, they felt comfortable enough saying to his face, Lord, if you had only been here, we would not be in this despair. 
Jesus doesn't respond defensively. Jesus doesn't give the sisters the excuses or reasons why he wasn't able to arrive sooner. The text tells us that Jesus sees Mary weep. Jesus looks at Mary and saw despair. Jesus sees Mary and the other Jews that are with her. They are are wailing. They're loudly weeping. And the scripture says that when he sees this, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. The word used for disturbed here indicates that Jesus had some anger at the situation. Can't death make us angry? The phrase deeply moved is the same one that Jesus uses a little bit later when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he is pleading before God that God would take the cup of suffering from him. You see, in this moment of death, grief, and despair, Jesus felt those emotions just like you and I do. He is angry. He is saddened at death. He sees how this death is impacting the community and he empathizes with Mary and Martha as they grieve the loss of their brother. In this moment of despair, Jesus stays right there with the community. And then like many of us in times of grief, Jesus begins to cry. And not just cry, but he begins to weep alongside his loved ones. Jesus knows what it is like to lose someone that you love. Jesus knows how awful and complicated grief looks and feels. Jesus knows how you can move in the morning from anger to crying to pity to needing to start a task just to get your mind off of the grief. To me, the most important thing to know and hold tightly to in despair is that I am not alone. After the flowers and the cards stop arriving, the check-in texts from friends and the calls, they, they lessen. We are often just left alone in our grief and despair, even if we are living with other people. But this is the truth of scripture. In our despair, in our grief, Jesus weeps with us. But sometimes, don't you need more? Absolutely. God created us to be in community. And in this story, Jesus models for us beautifully how we should handle despair as a community of faith. He doesn't judge Mary and Martha for the way they are grieving or the way they almost seem to tell him how disappointed they are that he showed up late. And remember, Jesus knows what's about to happen. In a few moments, he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He stops and he looks at those who are around him and he is greatly disturbed in his spirit and deeply moved. Jesus empathizes and joins in the circle of grief. Jesus knows that in despair, we need each other. You see, if someone was to ask me, why church? Why not just be spiritual but not religious? Why affiliate with the community of faith? Some of you have community in your neighborhoods, from your friends at school, from your colleagues at work, from community as you are a parent to students in arts and sports. During this pandemic season, it has been made so very clear why. The people of the Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church stop and look at what is going on around them. And then when they see despair, they are greatly disturbed in spirit and they are deeply moved. They are moved to help. We weep with one another. We pray for one another. We serve one another. Two weeks ago, one of our members, Dan Bates, 
suddenly passed away from a heart attack when he was out for an afternoon walk. Shocked and dismayed, so many of us wanted to care for his family, but we just couldn't do it the way we normally do. When I walked into the house, I, I couldn't embrace the entire family. When we prayed together, we couldn't hold hands. If we were not in this situation, we would have had this huge memorial in the sanctuary. And we would have had a reception after where you could walk through and tell Jan and the kids how amazing their dad and husband were. We decided we would have a family-only memorial outside at our lower property. I didn't even tell our facility staff that we were coming because at that point, they were just coming once a day for 30 minutes to check on the systems. Visits had to be so limited to the Bates home, but Jan told me that she got your texts and emails you sent to her, and she read them each night, allowing her to sleep in peace. Our building and property committee made sure the path that leads to our worship space was cleared of debris and weeds. Deacons prepared a fabulous meal, well, probably enough for several meals for the family to come home to after the service. And Emily Craven and Jeff Kaiser led the most beautiful acoustic music reminding us of the hope that we have in Jesus. And on that day when my strength is failing and the end draws near and my time has come, still my soul will sing your praise unending 10,000 years and then forevermore. We weep with one another, even in new and different ways during this time. And this is why. Because each of us does all these things, not by our own power, will, or energy, but because of God's work in each of us. The Apostle Paul says, But we have this treasure in clay jars, so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken. When this pandemic started, Sunday was the hardest day of the week for me. All of my muscle memory since I was young has been trained to be in church on Sunday morning. When I thought about it, I realized on Sundays, it's when I smile the most, hug the most. It was the part of my week where we were able to see in one hour the diversity of ages with people laughing and praying and so many serving. Why be part of a church? Why be part of the Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church? Because not only do we do community well when in despair, but we are incredibly good at doing community together in the everyday. It is so evident to me that each week when I leave worship, 20 minutes after the service is over, that there's still 50 people chatting with one another. There's still people praying over by that window to our left. And gosh, do we do rejoicing well. Even during this pandemic, we have done drive-by birthday parades. We put graduation signs on our front lawn. And oh, we we do community. We listen to one another without judgment. And if we are being judgmental, we say things like, I know I'm being judgmental right now. We are so incredibly different, and yet we love each other like family. We see a need, and we try our best to meet it, whether it's making masks or dropping off a meal, dropping off cookies to our friends with Alzheimer's, or mailing the sermons to a church member who does not have internet, simply going on a walk with a friend who needs you. Y'all, We are doing this community thing so well, even now, because of the extraordinary power that we have from God. We will continue to see those around us and whether deeply moved to weep or serve or celebrate, we will try our best to not give in to despair. We serve an approachable God who can take any of our 
Lord, if you had onlys, we serve a God who knows intimately what it is like to be in despair and need community. We are in relationship with a God who knows what it feels like to have a loved one die. And we serve a God who models for us that we need to do this life thing as a community of faith. Have you been able to get more connected to our community of faith during this pandemic? I sure hope so. I know that some of you are longing for a deeper connection, hoping for people who will pray with you, weep with you, rejoice with you. Our community of faith is eager to welcome you with open arms. I want you to reach out to me or to one of our staff today, and we will help you find a small group of people for you to serve or study or connect with. Are you going through a time when you need someone to listen to you and walk with you through life? Reach out to me and I will connect you with a Stephen minister. Is your mental health struggling? If you don't know anybody to reach out to, let us know or someone around you. Friends, as followers of Jesus, we have the opportunity to do life, both the despairing and the rejoicing parts in a unique way through a relationship with Jesus who gets right into the hard stuff with us and through a community who surrounds us in prayer, encouragement, and love. Oh, friends, when we are afflicted in every way, let us not be crushed. When we are perplexed, let us not be driven to despair. When we are persecuted, remember we are not forsaken. When we are struck down, we will not be destroyed. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.